Hey guys, Andy Crow here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Impact Sessions. I'm super excited. Um, this first episode uh, was actually recorded um, towards the end of last year. And yeah, I had a chat with Paul Dixon, uh, who runs, who's the chief go-getter at Orchid Charity. We listened to the story, um, his background, how the charity came about, um, what he's up to now. Um, and yeah, I'm actually quite excited because it's been close to a year since the podcast um, was originally recorded so um, I'm actually looking forward to possibly catching up, catching up again with him soon I know he's running his own podcast called the Dad's, Dad's Patch Podcast um, so look that up on Spotify um, and yeah um, let's roll the intro It's been said that social enterprises are 10 times harder to build You're not only seeking financial sustainability but also environmental, social and cultural sustainability It can be a minefield. There are many social innovators taking the leap and pursuing the dream. What are the tools, experiences and mindsets that drive them? Why are they doing it and how do they stay the course? That's the job of this podcast, Impact Sessions, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the leaps of faith of social innovators and creating a resource for the next wave. I'm your host, Andy Crow. Let's get the session started. So I've done a little bit of research, so I haven't written any questions. Yeah. Um, but I stalked your Twitter. Um, and one of the things I tried to do, I'll show you, was um, listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. But I only got 17 minutes in, so I think we didn't quite get to the point. Because <laughs> uh, I think on your, yeah, so it's the Dave Chung show. Yeah. Um, and you said, what's the tweet? Oh, yeah, like sort of in terms of um, the chef who he talks to, Dan um, Juicy. Um, because he ended up doing, I guess similar to a cheese boy, talking. Um, yeah, you said like a lot of how his approach that resonated with you. Yeah. And so yeah, like I was walking into, um, I know it's your first question, but like just sort of, so you're doing, is it Oak? Charity? Oki. Oki. Yeah. So you're doing Oki Charity now. Um, what was the like, before Oki? Into yeah. Oki, what was that? Um, so that's kind of an interesting journey in itself because yeah. we did things kind of a little bit backwards in that we came up with a fundraiser first, yeah, and then wondering what you want to do with the money, yeah, um, which is kind of weird. But I was working for a corporate organization at the time, and we were just a few of the lads I was working with wanted to do the Oxford Trial Walk, and because it was a global organization, yeah. we could be sent to projects anywhere at any time and literally a month before the walk we've been training and fundraising they got shipped off to Singapore so oh, it's yeah. like okay so that's never happened then. <laughs> but a couple of lads still wanted to do similar events yeah. but they wanted something local yeah. so they asked me they're like you're a project manager you can do event management too so if you want with an event here yeah. in Auckland similar size scale yeah, yeah. so I googled and Actually, from around the Manukau Harbour, from Afitu to Kuia, yeah. is 125k. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I said, yeah, that'll do, for a walk. And so I told my wife, that when we got home, she's like, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but if you do a relay, then I could probably get a, a team together and do a relay style. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we started. So that was cool. a head-to-head walk yeah. back in 2012. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. And then we did it for five years. And we raised about 60,000 yeah. over the five years. Yeah. And the first couple of years, it was a case of doing a walk, we got this money, who wants it? Yeah. For cool projects and stuff. 
We did everything from fruit tree planting in Berenice to helping Ramwick Park get some air sports programs going. Mm -hmm. And then they like, but it's kind of spread out. You're not really focusing on like one thing. And then one of these, um, we got approached by Pato West School. They wanted a garden to table program. Yeah. And it's okay. So what do you need? And like, oh, we need three thousand dollars for the program. Yeah. Right. That's it. Then that's what we'll walk for this year. We're raising money. Tick the box. Done. Funded. That's it. And they said, oh, actually, you kind of need a garden too for the um, garden table program. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's kind of fundamental. Yeah. And they said, oh, so we'll, how about we have a working bee the following year in February? And we'll put the garden together. Like, yeah, we'll get the volunteers together, we'll come along for now. That's what we were, we were just going to be awesome. the, yeah, yeah. a workforce to help build it. And then a couple of weeks before the dates, I go in and say, how's it going, your wedding? And I'm like, no. We haven't got any materials, yeah. then the funds for the materials. We we haven't been in touch with your table really about the events. Um, can you help? And that's like, okay, I put my project manager hat back yeah, on. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, we turned it around and built them a whole garden in one day. Awesome. And it made us realize that there's probably plenty of other schools that want this kind of program in the school. Yeah. Well, put up by the cost of the whole program, but with the education resource and the building of the garden, yes, yeah, yeah. and the time to do it, to put it all together. Like no one in the school got the time to yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. All, all that project ma management skill set, because it's, I mean, to me, it's quite unique. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, okay. And I was on the cusp of quitting the corporate world anyway. Yeah. So, in terms of that, like, um, they said you ran the event for five years. So is there one happening this year? No. No. Okay, so there was so um was that last year when the school approached you and you No, it was so two thousand and fourteen. Okay, yeah. So last year was fifth year anniversary of the Rochette Award. And they thought, Oh, we'll make it a big deal, we'll promote it and get put some money behind yeah, it. Yeah. And I think the event had just run its course. And um, you just come through it quite well. It just it, it's been harder to get teams to buy into it. Yes, yeah. It's teams you up their whole weekend to support the events and stuff. And yeah. um, in the end, we just looked at the, the numbers, and it just didn't make sense to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah. And it's just like it must be an easy way to make better money yeah. from an event or a fundraiser. So we just um. Good lesson learned. Awesome, yeah, yeah. He did his job, created a charity from it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a bit, it's just a path that sometimes just has to let go of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just figured out that I don't actually ask you, like, where you're from, and so, like, <laughs> I hear a bit of accent, and um, I'll probably start with myself. So, I'm, um, I'm from South Africa. And I get a lot, so I don't sound like it. So I moved here when I was 15, and then um, super introverted kid. Um, yeah, just hated people asking me to say certain words. So I changed how I talk. Um, and then from there, so pretty much, yeah. So that was 2004, finished school, 06, and then I seven, did a gap year. And then since 2008, um, so pretty much now, been involved in some form of like community development. 
thing. Yeah. Um, and I trained to be a teacher in that same time. Um, so taught in a primary school and an intermediate. Um, and one yeah, I guess one of the reasons why I found Twitter to be an interesting place to sort of learn about um, about you and about um, I only looked probably the last two months of tweets. Um, was I got my first job through Twitter as a teacher. Um, and so yeah, it was a super interesting um, platform and yeah, I quite enjoy it. Um, yeah, and so and then now and then so April I finished up with a business that I've run um, called Critical Design. Yeah. So we were turning voice plastic into furniture. Um, this group was still going now. Um, but yeah, it's not about me today. Um, yeah, looks like just a little bit about where, um, you are, where you're from. Yeah, so it's quite. I grew up in Birmingham in the UK. Yeah. So born and bred Um Grew up on a council estate with divorced parents. So it was kind of challenging as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, with my mum, I used to see my dad every other weekend. He kind of grew up quick. Yeah. You know, like, you had to travel across the city on a bus to see your dad and stuff. And then did okay at school, a bit sports mad. But still did all my exams, but by end of school, I just done. I was like, yeah, don't really want to do college, yeah. despite yeah. everyone saying, but why? You've got all the qualifications to just ace college too. I'm like, yeah. I'm just bored with it. Yes, yeah. So I um, went the apprenticeship route instead that was still kind of alive and kicking back in the early 90s. Yeah. And um, but rather than a trade apprenticeship, I did a business apprenticeship at Jaguar Cars. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting couple of years. You grow up very quickly. Yeah. Um, working next to guys on the manufacturing line and stuff. And the, the unique part of it was that you actually just spent three months in various departments within oh, the organisation. Yeah, yeah. So three months within just in the stores in the back of the factory that nobody knew about kind of thing. And then um, three months in designing facilities. So they're helping to they had new tracks of the manufacturing lines yeah. and stuff. It was just really interesting. But then I came to the end of the apprenticeship and then it's kind of an assumption that I was just employed by Jaguar then. Because the scheme I was on was government oh, run. Yes, yeah. And then, so at the end of the apprenticeship, you have to get a agreement from the company to employ you. But they were just closing down one of their big manufacturing plants. Oh, yeah. And they're like, well, we can't take on outside people even though I'd worked there for two years yeah. when you go redeploy people from our own factories yeah. Yeah. so I was gutted and so the people I was working with but fortunately they were just about to build a new logistics centre on site yeah. and they put into the MOU for the new company that whoever wins the contracts takes on board and one other person <laughs> so that was just like oh, incredible cool. that, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> They thought that highly of me that they would include that in the MOU, not just yes, the yeah, yeah. handshake kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, so I got into that, went to logistics and just forged project management career out of it. Yeah. And then spent 15 years in automotive and working for a Japanese supplier as well. And learning the Japanese culture and yeah. their philosophies and stuff is really interesting yeah. because like they've developed processes back in the 60s yeah. that even today people go this is a new thing that we should be doing I'm like eh, that's been around for like so you're referencing years. like lean startups yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and that 
Kaizen and stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's not that new. Like, <laughs> to certain industries it is, but yes, yeah, in yeah. automotive, I mean, even Henry Ford did when he was doing it in the early yeah. part of that century, it's just like unique. Yeah. I mean, people's industries are still catching up 100 years later. Yeah. So, how does that, um, probably jumping through to that, um, I think that's a super interesting point, like in terms of your experience in that corporate space, like how's that influencing OPM now? Um, well, that's the thing. I had a really successful career in the UK, and then I got to a position where like I can either carry on doing what I'm doing, yeah. or take a chance and just go travelling and experience life a bit more outside the office. Yeah. Even though I'd travel extensively, all the saw was inside an office or a factory. Yes. Never experienced a natural country. Yeah. So, and I looked around in Australia, America, Canada, and New Zealand, and New Zealand just called. And then so I came down here, figured my career path would just keep on going, but it just didn't. Yeah. The um, my experience and uh, achievements just wasn't acknowledged. No I didn't want it because yeah. my, I didn't have New Zealand experience. Wow, yeah. It's like, look at my CV, I've delivered everywhere, and this just wasn't accepted. Yeah. So that got frustrating. And then it came to the point crunch where I was just like, nah, I'm done. I don't. I don't have to prove myself anymore. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've already done it. <laughs> and um, so I thought, and when we did the um, Papatoe West Garden, it just dawned on me that the skills that I've been using to deliver multi-million dollar projects, yeah. I could actually use for good instead. Yeah, yeah. And deliver these gardens that, and when people come to working bees, and we managed to clear a site, build an entire garden, like raised beds, tool shed, greenhouse, everything in one day. Yeah. They're like, how did you do this? Yes, like, because yeah. it's just all planned, <laughs> working up to it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like overnight, we just thought, oh, we'll do a garden tomorrow. Yeah. There's about three months, four months of planning that goes into it to oh, yeah. keep it, make it happen. So. Oh, awesome. I've, um, just the thing, like, I've almost, I've become more mindful of my need for planning. Um, so we had, um, over the summer, we had one of those um, warehouse tools, you know, the ones with the poles. And yeah, the, yeah. They came just like just above the ground. Um, and then it came to March and I was like, okay, I need to take the pool down. Um, but Auckland being Auckland, it was raining every weekend or like it'll be fine for like, you know, a couple of like hours and then it start raining. And in my head I thought, oh I need I need it took me ages to put it together. So I thought I'd need exact like the same amount of time to take it down. Yeah. Um, and then one just afternoon in July, I put the raincoat on and uh, it took me half an hour take it down <laughs> and I just and I approached a lot of tasks I don't know I was going like what are the you know this like why am I making this like so, such a big deal yeah when it, I, if I just give it a go the first part of it um then yeah you know maybe the rest will sort of fall into place and if it yeah. does get too long I can stop if I wanted to um but I'm yeah I'm sort of digressing a bit um yeah so like you said the thing about um, you know using those like skills for good. Yeah. Did you have a moment where like that became part of your like just how you see things? Yeah, I mean it's it's when you see the gardens being used by the kids. Yeah. And um, especially because we moved the working bees from weekends to during the week. Yeah. And that was a light bulb moment that was suggested by one of the teachers at Papua East. Yeah. And because then you know the kids aren't turning up on a Monday morning going, hey, we've got a new garden, thanks to whoever built it. 
they've actually seen the garden being built yes, by the yeah. parents the teachers and at the end of the day they come in and go wow they've just built this for us yeah. and you're thinking yeah this is kind of the reason we do this yeah. and it's like yeah and um and it's those moments that keep me going on that doing what i'm doing because yeah. it's the easiest option would have been just to take up one of these jobs that comes through from seek every week yeah. and just say look yeah the money's ridiculous i could just be sitting there just helping to deliver a project that yeah uh, i knew where it's going to go in somewhere and yeah. stuff or new buildings going to be built yeah but there's no the bank will be happier but nobody yeah. else really you yeah. know it's more real job satisfaction there yeah. not to the scale of building a small group, school garden yeah yeah you know it's um so how do you like what's the um i don't i don't want to load the question too much but maybe like a question was like maybe like it's why do you do it but also like what drives you like you know in the direction of okay like, like you mentioned yeah. about like i guess job satisfaction and yeah I guess it's that again it comes back to that project management mentality that we don't finish until the job's done yeah and i just don't feel like the job's done at okay yet yeah and yeah, it's yeah. like if it was to quit now it'd be like kind of on the cusp of it being something really special yeah and it's i know it's there it's i mean it's been going for i say two and a half years as okay but then i'd only say that before that he was doing the head-to-head walk as well yes, you know? yeah, so yeah. it's like basically come to six years and wow, yeah. um this whole journey of being charity minded and stuff yes yeah and you can it just put so much effort into that yeah. and don't get me wrong some days i'm just like no forget it this is it <laughs> i'm just gonna go and tap on one of the doors that i know and say look give me a job yeah and i could be working on monday yeah, yeah. and but and it comes down to my wife as well because yeah. she's the one that supports me encourages me gives me the kick up the ass when i need it and stuff awesome. and, you know you need somebody like that because yeah, yeah. you can't as great as an entrepreneur as you are you have to have support yeah you know yeah. and those days they're just thinking why am i doing this yeah because it's um it's too easy to just veer off and um, especially when there's like temptation put in front of you to say, look, we're going to offer you this. We're going to use your skill set for good. Yeah. And yeah. Not, but not really. I definitely get that because there's also the other side of it. So there's the <clears throat> so like for example, me being trained as a teacher. If any of my experiments fail, it's a pretty good space to go into. Despite yeah. all the you know striking and all that kind of thing, it's actually quite a like I was really happy. I didn't leave because I was um, upset with the work or I didn't like the work. Um, but I just had this other sort of edge happening around wanting to do stuff. And I think the other side, like, so there's the, yeah, like the space where the money is more secure. And there's also the space where, for me, where my work plays a role, where you can just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Of just, because there's always something to do, always someone to email, always another thing that you could be doing better, you yeah. know, more content for the website or social media or um yeah so i definitely yeah agree there well i mean <laughs> i guess one of the biggest elements that i've even been mentioning is that um we tried for a kid it didn't happen for us so we had to go down to fertility treatment yeah and then <clears throat> taylor was born and then we decided that i would be a stay-at-home dad yeah 
So I need to go back. I mean, she loves her job. Yes, yes. I mean, that's the thing, even though, again, there's all this talk about nurses and stuff. Yeah. But most nurses you speak to love their job. Yes, yes. You know, and that's why they do it, because they don't do it for the money. <laughs> and um, so that was decided that I would be the stay at home dad. Yeah. And so that was full time. So yeah. it was kind of the first 18 months of being a stay at home dad, it was a full time role. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of just doing okay when he's going back, going to bed and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I guess that's another reason why the charity is just now starting to take up the work because that's because yeah, it's like yeah. get four days a week now the daycare to focus on yeah, and push yeah. it forward. And um, but I wouldn't swap that for the world because that was yeah. I encourage any dad to be a stay home dad just form a bond with your yeah, kids that you wouldn't have otherwise. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, this is um. Just a, yeah, so one of so I've got two kids. Um, and the first one, yeah, because I was kept like it just it was easier for me to work full time. But so with our girl, when she starts school, and it is, she's crazy. Um, and then with our boy, um, probably the similar like not the same but similar first decision I feel I made was just to um tell my wife was just put him on the bottle, and every other night, like I'll be on it. Yeah. And that, and even though we both had jobs now. Um, I feel like the bond between me and both my kids have just because of the more empathy I've, I've had for my wife and the roles that you know women usually play in terms of like building a family. Because uh, my parents were like, I mean, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, like I definitely get it, and it's um, superficial. And I think especially when you're like focusing on you know like you're doing a lot of stuff in schools and you know working with young people and doing all that kind of thing. Um, I'd say my kids have made me like a better teacher and a, and a more empathetic in that space of working with parents who are struggling yeah, yeah. And, and trying to figure stuff out. Um, and yeah, and I and definitely like, because like you say, you know, like fertility issues as well, there's a massive thing that's happening. Um, so many like of our friends and people that we know have gone through it. And we're just, yeah, like super grateful that, yeah, it's sort of happened for us the way it did. Yeah, um, yeah real special. Um, one of the things I um, was going to find a tweet. Um, <laughs> and this one's from earlier this month. Um, and you probably know what I'm trying to talk about when I say it, but um, you applied for about 125k in grants uh, yeah. and zero of them came through. Because um, you're talking before about like wanting to chuck in the towel. Mm -hmm. um, and just yeah, picking up the job. Um, yeah, so like, and then you said um, that training life is too hard, so we'll be taking Oki in a new direction as a genuine social social enterprise. Yeah. So that yeah, so like, want to touch on that, and then also like you said about um, I forgot the words now, but you talked about having like a specific like you having like a vision. Yeah. Or like a like what you see sort of happening. Yeah. So what um. So maybe two questions. So the first one is like, um, and it, like obviously like talk to like however you're comfortable, but they move from charity to like social enterprise. Um, like just yeah. any thoughts or like, well stuff around that. Um, for starters, there's like twenty seven thousand registered charities in New Zealand. Yeah. So you're in that ball, in that big bowl of non profits, and you're all chasing the same 
small yeah. dialo, you know, it's like really hard. Mm-hmm. And especially when you've got the big boys playing, it's not really a fair game either because yes, yeah, yeah. the big charities have got grand writers, they've got marketing budgets, they've got all, like sales people, yeah. they've got volunteers on every corner with buckets and clipboards and stuff, all chasing the same dollar that we're trying to get out of. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, it's not really a fair playing field anyway. And then, like I say, we applied for, I think it's about six different grants that make up that 125k, and we didn't get any of them. And it's like, you can't budget that way. You can't budget on, oh, we're going to get the 25k grant in April. You don't know you're going to get that. It's like, well, how can we budget to build more gardens? How can we budget to pay a salary, just the operational cost of the charity? It's just nuts. Because um, cause we uh, like experienced a similar thing at, when I was at Critical, when we first started out. So we, we never said we were, we're a charity, but we did do it for grants. And one of the things that we noticed within the first year and a half was, um, and then someone else sort of gave me the words, and they call it like um, sunset funding. Yeah. And so you're a new person in, the, in, like, in play, you're funding, sort of supporting a little bit of work, and then just gradually over time, there's people are less interested in the same thing or stuff and so yeah um so definitely again like yeah so understanding that tension between what you want to do yeah and then also what you sort of now need to do exactly to make it work and winning with volunteers is great to begin with but if you really want want to make headway and stuff you've got to have like paid people with their expertise and stuff behind it and who's like involved in it and it's their job to like push things forward and stuff And that's why treating more as a business than a charity, I think, will help us progress and move forward. Awesome. And I don't know, social enterprise is kind of the buzz thing at the moment. Yeah. But that kind of model I think, does work. Yeah. Um, and we've already proven that our end purpose works. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. just like how do we keep funding what we yeah. what we want to do? And yeah. I mean, what are some of the ideas around that? So we've got the app. That we're going to be launching in the next few few months and that's that's basically born from we built our gardens everyone's happy then the teachers are like that's great but how do we use it yeah so you're thinking wow the, the gardens aren't as just for the kids yeah. they're teaching the teachers too how to garden so they needed a resource and stuff and it just by chance that was away in a school chatting away about what we can do and how we can do it and then got tap on the show and said oh we hear you need some help we can help you with some funding for an education resource oh, awesome. and at that time it was just going to be yeah. a book going this is what you do in your garden each yeah. week and stuff thank you very much but then i was thinking if you publish a book once no guarantee you can get the funding again to publish it again. We want to make changes to it and yes, stuff. Yeah. And I was just, I was at AUT South Campus um, at a community here and there was a company called Conical there okay. and they do augmented reality and virtual reality. Yeah. And I just got talking to them about what they were up to and the kind of projects they're working on. And I was like, ah, oh, I really want to do this education resource and stuff, but it'd be cool to do it in your kind of um, format. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, there's no way we could do it, and the budget would be extremely yeah. 
And then like, ah, let's catch up next week and have a chat and stuff. Yeah. And I showed him what we was doing in the gardens and my thoughts behind the app. So like just a week by week to do list in the garden. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, fine then. I'm like, yeah, yeah we, look, we like what you're doing and we think we can help you out. Oh, awesome. And so that was a four month project to get the initial buy-in. Yeah, yeah. So we had a workshop to understand what was needed, what we wanted them to do, what we could get for the budget. And then, okay, so that was the whole project management thing again, and cost yeah. and budget and scope and stuff. And then um, they was just awesome. They just yeah. like said, oh, we like this, but we think you should do it this way. And they just, but that's the scope, that's our budget. Oh, we do, we do, because it's going to look better. And, yes, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and they delivered it. And when the first of you in the school, they were just like, this is amazing. This yeah. is like, Phenomenal, yeah. yeah. And to have this kind of resource in schools for the kids. Yeah. I mean, they've all got tablets anyway. Yeah. So why not use them outdoors in yeah. the garden? Yeah. So one, so. yeah, and I, one of the reasons, um, yeah, just when, because um, you came around, was it last week or two yeah. weeks ago? Um, and then I remember actually, because I was teaching at Wisdom for Media and we bumped into Lou Reddy. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if we crossed paths. Um, but anyway, yeah. And so, but then sort of seeing, I guess, in the, I don't know, that might be like 12 months now, um, having heard a little bit about Oki and also, um, I guess, the like the value proposition of the app. And one of the things, um, like, I'm, <coughs> yeah, why I'd like even, you know, wanting to film this conversation is that um, one of the things that, yeah, I've been like sort of not going on about because I haven't been that vocal about it, but just have this, this feeling or this hunch that. Um, like how technology is being applied um, isn't um, accelerating like the type of maybe knowledge and expertise that it could. Yeah. And so, you know, a critical, um, and even my work as a technology teacher at Wisdom for Media, we were looking at, like, so there's a 3D printer, um, and actually I should shout out um, Stephen Lethbridge, who was the principal who gave me my first job over Twitter. Um, and when I first caught up with him about 3D printing stuff, he said like, it's not actually about the printer, it's about 3D modeling. And the way that I keep sort of applying that idea is that um, like the pencil or the pen was powerful, not because of like how it was structured or made. Who was holding it? Yeah, like who was holding it and then the ideas that they were doing with it. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that we started exploring critical and for me, like it's almost continuing is this idea that um, like how can technology close the expertise gap um, and you have like um, groups like TSI so just across the road um, and they have these stats that like um, sub the average South Auckland wage is about 15 to 25 percent so I forget that the percentage number but it's in that range of like 15 to 25 percent lower than the average wage in other parts of Auckland yeah um, and if they they said yeah we'll take you know, for the next 20 years, somehow increasing wages by three to five percent to actually catch up to that space. Um, and so I really like that way of thinking and sort of like quantifying it. Um, and then, yeah, so like, for example, with like 3D printing, digital fabrication, um, you can design and make a chair without having to go through like a five-year carpentry apprenticeship or yeah, you know, yeah. spending all that time learning different joints, which is not, I don't think craft's a bad thing, um, but in terms of, um, yeah, there's just something I think like 
Um, and I seem like growing up in South Africa, I think that's where like the drive comes from me is that people in that space don't actually have a lot of time to learn a skill because yeah. there's the pressure to provide. Yeah. Um, and it's something I think that's lost, like we're going on a bit of a rant here, but it's something that's lost in like the bigger narrative of when we talk about poverty, we talk about those people over there. Yeah. Is that, um, oh man, yeah, like in order to be creative, you need the, the space, the, the space and the time. And it's not even just the coming up with the idea, creative is actually, yeah, like making a decision. Like that's where you start with being creative. That's kind of part, getting back to the gardens. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the reason we do the gut field the gardens too, is to, because that knowledge skill, that knowledge is lost. Yeah. From the grandparents' generation, during our parents' generation, there's a knowledge gap there. Yeah. And then that gap's widened between parents and kids today. And even if parents say want to do it, they don't have the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, well, if you leave another generation, the thought of gardening is just like foreign, let alone even do it. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. so it's, um, so that's why we want to get gardening back into schools as a skill set. Yeah. And the more gardens we build, the more we realise that they are literally just outdoor classrooms and you can learn literally any subject in an outdoor environment like a garden. And it's age-old wisdom that's like being taught as well. It's just like, forget about social media and all the external influences that causes kids stress. Because yeah. they just a deluge of information every day about what's going on around the world, about everything. Whereas like not even concerned about what's growing on their doorstep and the backyard yeah. and stuff yeah. and that's when the kids see things growing and they've nurtured them and rewarded them with the fruits and veggies and stuff yeah. they're like this is pretty cool like, yeah, yeah you know like eventually they put down their tablets and stuff and like yeah we know this information man and that that's what i want i want the app to be completely redundant yeah. you know it's like i don't want okay to be one of these charities of like oh no we've got to be making sure that we're still alive and kicking in like 20 years. It's been my book like that. <laughs> I want Oki to be completely redundant in the yeah. gardening space. Yeah. Because we would have built a garden every school in New Zealand. Yeah. And it's like, and then there's kids are learning everything from empowerment. They're learning, I see that our garden to look after. Yeah. They're going to be able to nurture it. They're going to have this massive skill set. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you give a crap about that, they might give a crap about the community more and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And they might think, ah, it was hard to grow that yep. certain veggie, but I persevered and I got on with it. What else can I do that yeah, yeah. might be too hard? But if we give a bit more effort, I can get on with it. Yeah. So those skills that... And that, yeah, that sort of reminds me, um, I was actually Lou Rick, and he probably watches, he watches all my videos. Um, <laughs> so he loves it, he's giving a shout out. But um, when I was at Wesley, he reminded me that like, even if you think about behavior management, or like a young person's behavior that most of even for us like most of our behavior has been taught yeah explicitly or implicitly and so what i like like about what you're saying is that just the act of like um you know growing something and experiencing those feelings around you know um so for example if, yeah but just for myself like planted some sunflowers with my daughter the other day um same bed but one side's sprouted and the other side hasn't 
Yeah. So she's only she's nearly five, but so we're talking like what what did we do wrong? Yeah. Just all those kind of things. Um, yeah, and so um, and they're also with like mindfulness being like sort of trending at the moment as well. Um, and also maybe like I didn't mention I'm in South Auckland, like most of the young people at the moment are Maori Pacific there. It's an opportunity again for that sort of I guess that full circle around wholeness and connectedness to uh, whenua or the land yeah. and just how that even impacts on health and well-being, mental health and mental health yeah, this week. Yeah, this yeah. week, yeah. Um, yeah, no, awesome. Well, that's the thing with the app. Um, it's currently purely gardening mm-hmm. and what to do week by week, season by season. But we want to get more curriculum stuff in there. Yeah. And then ultimately, we want to get the haora philosophy back yeah. into there. Because it fits nicely with the four pillars of that, yeah, the four yeah. seasons. They can concentrate on one pillar per season. Awesome, yeah. And it's like, it's and to learn that in a garden space, it's easy to interact and yes, stuff. Yeah, and just yeah. to see it for yourself, how it works. Yeah. And, then, and yeah, I mean, it is a good week to acknowledge the whole mental health aspect of gardening yeah. because it's proven. I mean, my granddad was chairperson of the allotments in Birmingham in the UK, like a massive allotment space. And he gardened until he was like early 70s. And then ill health, he had to quit and stuff. And yeah. those actually closing down a lot of the allotment spaces. And within two years, he was dead. And I'm still positive today that if he was still going there, that allotment on a daily basis, he would have lived a lot longer. And just because it's his space to just escape and just yeah. like enjoy, and just so it's both physical and mental. It just yeah. um, and as we see it every time we go to a school that the kids you hear stories about kids that are struggling in class. You go to the garden, chill out, enjoy it, come back, and they're kind of different kids coming back yeah. into the classroom now. So there's another incentive to just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Um, and I, yeah, again, um, I might not mean to like interject lots, but yeah, I had similar experience um, where one of the philosophies that sort of kind of became about my teaching was like, we're going to make first and then learn anyway. Yeah. You know, and so like the idea of like gardening first and learning anyway, and that like, um, I think also another thing that's lost like is when maybe you want to talk about perseverance and effort um, those students and young people who've made those gardens now have something they can draw on yeah. to understand that language um, and that's I mean that's a bit of the teacher side coming out of me is that yeah it's real easy to say I guess certain things you know like they don't understand manners or whatever or how to care yeah. for things um, but now those ones who've gone through the garden um, have got that Essentially, like the metaphor and yeah. experience, exactly and feeling all of those things. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, we could keep catching up. Um, I just wanted to know if there's like any way like people could help OT. Um, what would be useful or helpful? Um, funding is always a yeah, thing, yeah. but um, that's. But I mean, we have our working bees three or four times a year. Yeah. So keep those posted when they're coming up. Yeah. They always need volunteers to come yeah, in and help build the garden. And they're special days, yeah. you know, when they're when they involved in those days and stuff. Um, just follow us on our social media awesome. so you can see what we're doing on a yeah. weekly, monthly basis and stuff. 
and yeah, just get in touch if you want to know more about gardening. And we're trying to get more blog posts up on the um, yeah. Acre website about the benefits of gardening and cool. and just take learnings from around the globe of how gardens have helped communities and stuff. Yeah. And there's a great, great one now. Um, in the Bronx and they basically converted schools and whole communities from a complete food desert yeah. into now harvested their own food and stuff. And You're the second person to um, bring that up yeah. in the last two weeks, so well, yeah, you should definitely check that out. Um, in terms of like, um, you're open to collaborating with people? Yeah. What kind of people do you want to collaborate with? Um, well, skill sets or... Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, look at what we've done with Conical. I mean, that's definitely a collaboration. Yeah. Because what they've done and what we found them <laughs> doesn't yeah. compare. Like, so that's definitely a, a, an awesome collaboration that's we've built something amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's the other thing is I'm a project manager. Yeah. And you learn pretty quickly that sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You know, so. There's ideas out there of how we can utilize the gardens we use, we build in, or um, different things that we can incorporate into the garden to get the teaching going better. Yeah. Then we're definitely open to awesome. ideas and stuff. So, so when I'm like listening, because I'm the kind of person who, um, so now that you've told me that, I'll be in a conversation. I'll be like, oh, you need, you need to speak to Paul from Oki. Um, so, for example, I know of a guy who's um, just in his flat. He's experimenting with hydroponics. Oh uh, yeah. So he's not growing weed. because <laughs> um, he wants yeah, he wants because he lives in like sort of in the city and there's no grass, like no lawn. Yeah. Right? But he wants to grow his own vegetables, so he's doing that. Um so he's pretty switched on and anything even stuff like the road garden. I mean not that we garden automation sort of goes the other way, but in terms of collecting data about what's happening in the garden, yeah. I can imagine he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. Well yeah, because I mean it's there's a, I went to Christchurch a few weeks ago, yeah. and there's a the group who started coding New Zealand and all the primary schools and stuff. Okay, yeah. They've actually come up with a, it's called the Electric Garden. Yeah. It's a box of tricks that they put in the garden yeah. to capture the data from the garden. Cool. And of course, that's an awesome collaboration if you make it work because they've got like the back end yes, yeah, yeah. data, and we've got the front end of teaching. Yeah. So it's like awesome, awesome possibility there. And yeah, just, and like you're saying about warehouse farming and stuff, yeah. that's having these kind of spa um, spaces in classrooms yeah. to show how much you can actually grow in like veggie pods and smaller spaces. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it's going anyway. I mean, the Dutch are like just taking over the world. We've seen that guy, um, uh, what do you do? I think he grew like a million pounds of food on an acre. Yeah. American guy. Yeah, yeah. With the fish and the, that's sort of what it's, um, yeah. yeah, so I think he's actually been down here and he's um, visited Manure High School. Oh, wow, okay. But that's another awesome initiative that I was with me to Lou a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, like, schools involved, um, Kansas Mac ADHD are involved, like developing an urban farm oh, okay. to teach horticulture. Yes, so the yeah, kids yeah. can actually take the whole career path. And so that's kind of cool that we've done Manure Central Primary School, yeah, yeah. their garden. And intermediate is doing stuff in high school, so this is a complete pathway from yeah, yeah. Um, school starters yeah. to leaders into horticulture, and it's and that's the thing. It's opening up their career prospects. Yeah, from you can do your science, you can do engineering, you can do it all sorts. Yeah, 
the left hand back round and thinking, you know, so it's, um, yeah, cool. I don't know how to um, end this, but um, yeah, so thanks for your time. No, um, thank you. And, yeah, looking awesome. forward to um, next week. Yeah, like, I'll make a shout out. So next week we've got the, our first maker slash tech meetup. Um, yeah. We're going to be sharing more about the app and how that's happened. And also, um, I think on Friday, we've got a little showcase around. Yeah. We're going to raise that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, thank you, Paul. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, guys, um, so just signing off properly. Um, thanks for watching. Um, thanks for listening, if you're listening on the podcast. Um, really appreciate your attention and time. Um, and, yeah, um, if you like videos like these, please subscribe. Um, they mean a lot. Um, and, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Like I mentioned in the intro, um, this podcast was recorded a year ago, so there's some references, um, especially towards the end there, about the tech meetup. Um, yeah, that's not happening, or it happened, but it's not happening next week. Um, yeah, there were some audio issues too. too. Um, I recorded the podcast originally off just my um, my my phone, my Android phone. Um, yeah, but I just wanted to get it up, get started. Um, this is what this is all about. Um, if you really, if you enjoyed that, I uh, would appreciate you following along on podcast or wherever you listen. Um, also, we're using Anchor, so if you've got any questions, um, please flick them through, um, and I'll try and do a Q and A episode. Uh, hopefully, get someone on to do them with me. Um, but yeah, keen to learn with you, keen to share, to keep sharing, um, and yeah, to inspire action for you to get your thing and for you to do it. Peace.